Football on off the ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Now, Manchester United could be sold by the Glazers, according to a story which is being reported by Sky tonight. They say the Glazer family is preparing to formally announce its intention to examine potential sources of outside investment that could include a full-blown auction. Sources have told Sky that investment bankers were being instructed by Manchester United's owners to advise on the process and it's likely to include a full or partial sale or strategic partnership with third parties. To talk about the World Cup and also uh, this emerging story around Manchester United, I'm delighted to say that Matt Slater, senior football news reporter with the Atlantic, is with us. Matt, good evening. Good evening. Interesting story. I mean, this one has been kind of circling as a rumour for a little while that the Glazers were considering, if not necessarily a full sale of the club and getting out of Manchester United entirely, potentially coming in and taking some investment from outside and selling some of their shares. Yes, indeed. And it's being reported by the Athletic now as well. Um, so, yes, I can confirmed that, uh, that you know, the rumours are true. It's a very similar situation to, um, to Liverpool and Fenway Sports Group. And it's, it's, the timing is, is remarkable, those two clubs. You know, of course, such fierce rivals off the field, but, uh, sorry, on the field, but off the field. Their, their ownership groups get on pretty well and are you know, quite closely aligned in, in terms of football finance. And, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, FSG have got there slightly, slightly earlier, but um, yeah, I think the Glazers are, are going to test the market, very seriously test the market. I think they've appointed two US banks. I think it's Rothschild and JP Morgan, whereas FSG, it was Morgan Stanley and uh, Goldman Sachs. So, you know, you've got four huge banks there, which is a bit of a clue as to also, I think, where potential buyers are likely to emerge from first, not exclusively, but I think you only have to look at the last few sales, last few big takeovers. It's uh, the wind is blowing from the States. It's a private equity world at the moment. Um, Chinese money's out, Russian money's out. A lot of the big sovereign wealth funds in the Gulf are already spoken for. So um, unless someone like a Jim Ratcliffe or, or another sovereign wealth fund wants to kind of get, get their act together, uh, my guess would be this is going to be another American syndicate. Matt, when it comes to this timing, how much of an influence has the protests against the Glazers, maybe even a sharpening of feeling around the European Super League last year, how much has that fed into the decision by the Glazers to potentially cash in some, if not all, of their chips are? Yeah, I think all of that. All of that. Um, they've had a good run. I think there's the cost of the stadium, so that's weighing on them. That'll weigh on the price a little bit. Um, I think when they see someone like-minded, like the FSG crowd, make the same decision, I think that would have given them pause for thought. I also think that um, there is a sense that the Chelsea sale could well be the top of the market for a bit. You know, We're heading into a global recession, interest rates are going up. Um, the Premier League did really well in its last round of international service in particular. But there is some, there's some headwinds, uh, you know, choppy waters and all that, all those cliches. Um, and until the kind of paradigm shifts, I'm using lots of business terminology here, but it's, mm. <laughs> it's only because people talk to me like this and it seeps in. Um, until you get something like a super or 
the next dramatic step forward in media rights, which is the one everyone's been talking about waiting for, is this going direct to consumer, Netflix and football, streaming, you know, people people having a direct relationship, clubs having direct relationships in that middle. Until you get that, and I don't think we're that close, then this might be a good time to cash your chips in. It might not. They might, they might not get the price they want. But it's interesting that both of these two big, big clubs, England's two biggest clubs, uh, are doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah, maybe they watched that Todd Bowley situation taking over from Roman Abramovich during the summer and thought that was a very complex sale because of just the nature of the way that Abramovich had to pass on the club. And maybe they feel that there are investors in the United States, particularly who are primed to potentially come in here to buy some, if not all, of the club. On the face of it, Manchester United an incredibly attractive prospect given their commercial power despite the fact that their position on the pitch has declined since 2013 they are still one of the biggest clubs and one of the biggest money making clubs crucially within the world if an investor was to look to come in you're not just necessarily buying them as a prestige product this is a club that still makes a lot of money 100 let's let's not you know let's not recency bias here let's just turn the clock back 10 years for year after year united used to talk the delight money list in terms of revenue it was only it was only relatively recently Real and Barca knocked them down to third, and now United have slipped even more because they're just not, not performing in the field. But now United were a money-making machine. They were streets ahead. Um, and they still are, I say streets ahead, but they're still ahead in terms of brand and fan base. They, yeah, they've been punching below their weight. This is, you know, this is a, they're attractive for that reason, whilst... They have to do some serious culture after the map, like I said, will weigh on the price a little bit. Others might see it as an opportunity. Brilliant. Playing canvas. Get in there and do something with the stadium. Um, they might see loads of headroom for, for United. But they are, and I, I think Chelsea's interesting because, you know, that went for 2.5 and a lot of people sort of think, okay, well, where, did, where would Chelsea be in the kind of natural picking order of things if it wasn't for that? You know, we ran them at a loss for so long. Right, well, then we can all kind of adjust from there. And, you know, I think ordinarily, United people would be thinking, well, we're, we're worth at least 50% more, maybe 75%. You know, and, that, and that's where you're getting maybe, maybe, maybe double. You know, and I think they, they're going to want $5 billion, I think. You know, whether they're going to get it, I don't know. I guess they'll find out. I guess that's how the investment banks that they've uh, just instructed to go and look for a sale here they're going to earn their cash by finding uh, uh, potential buyers in around the $5 billion mark uh, the football show of course is brought to you by Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky, Sp- Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports even and Matt before we uh, move on to the World Cup itself just one other Manchester United story which we've been discussing across the show is, is Cristiano Ronaldo and that decision uh, by Manchester United to take what they called appropriate steps on Friday and here we are three days later they've decided to mutually uh, break that contract which they had terminate Cristiano Ronaldo's contract contract and let him leave now next month. Yeah, Ronaldo and the Glazers, eh, in one day. Um, yeah, <laughs> this, is, this has been a, I'm not a United fan, so I think I'm allowed to chuckle. Uh, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a sad story, really, because he's a great player and he has, I think, lost it in his pocketbook. But while I'm not a United uh, fan, I, I live with United fans in, in, in terms of my children. 
So uh, I've sort of lived through this one, you know, the second time around, all the, the expectations, the hopes, um, and the excitement that his arrival, his second arrival, inspired. It just, it just has got worse and worse and worse. And but, yeah, the Piers Morgan interview really was the last straw. That was a man asking for his contract to be ripped up, and it has. So let's let's see, let's see who. Uh, all these big clubs are that uh, all these Champions League caliber clubs are that that time to have them. You know, I'm not I'm, I'm not sure. And I, I think it's sad. I'm, you know, I, I, I don't mean to sort of gloat because he's a fantastic player, but um, you know, he's um, he, he just hasn't quite I think adjusted to what he is in his career right now. I think the line is just uh, struggling a little bit at the moment uh, with Matt. We'll get Matt reconnected there in a moment and get him back on because we want to have a chat about the World Cup so far in Qatar as well. Off the ball. It's not okay for him to be fine in a test match like that. It's a fulcrum position where everything runs through nine and ten. You don't get to be fine in, in matches like that where you start. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. The armband has come up once again, as Richie mentioned uh, during the news round. Jan Verthongen has been speaking this evening um, at the Belgian Pest Conference about the FIFA armband stance, where seven teams, uh, European teams, were going to wear a One Love armband. Uh, that was their plan at the outset of the stadium. Then ditched that idea after FIFA said that they would book the captains if they were to wear them. Jan Verthongen said, quote, an experience I've never felt in football before. I feel controlled. I'm afraid to even say something about this. We're just saying a normal thing about racism and discrimination. And if you can't even say things at all, that says it all. So Jan Verthongen, the former uh, Tottenham defender, speaking at the Belgian press conference earlier today, Matt is back with us. And Matt, that's the uh, latest around the armband, Verthongen's comments tonight, but also reported in Germany earlier today that the German FA are considering legal action against FIFA for not being able to wear this armband during the tournament. Mm, I, I hadn't heard those Vertonghen quotes. They're good, aren't they? Um, I think the German idea going to Cass, I'm not quite sure that's, that's going to happen. I, you know, I think, I think they're angry, they're annoyed. Um, I don't think they're going to Cass. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, yeah, it's been, it's been just a, a dizzying couple of days, really. Um, and, the, and the armbands... It's just another another remarkable story here. Um, not quite sure where to start. I was in the room when um, when Infantino gave his remarkable speech on Saturday, and of course, just before that, they had released a press release to say that you know their alternative armbands. Um, and then we had you know another day of what would England do, what would Wales do? This threat of yellow cards, sporting sanctions, and. Yeah, sort of one by one, they they they, they crumbled, didn't they? And um, there's been a lot of recriminations. I, I I'm not at home, so I don't. It's really hard when you're at an event like this to know what the conversation is like at home. But obviously, I see on social media now how how hard Roy Keane went, which I thought was really interesting. Um, over here, it's not a story. You know, the, you know the locals have got you know no idea what what's going on, and um, a lot of the international media, you know. Who, come from countries that were not going to do this aren't reporting it don't really get it but yeah it's it's just another one of the it's just another strand to the to the you know the the remarkable the remarkable world cup that that Qatar 2022 is did you almost feel open-mouthed listening to Infantino on 
Saturday morning. I don't think many of us actually expected <laughs> what happened during that hour. Because yeah. I was watching FIFA Uncovered last week, man, and I kind of got the feeling yeah. from Infantino that he was almost saying that Russia and Qatar weren't his World Cups. These were two issues that he had inherited and he had to honour agreements that FIFA had made 11 years ago mm. while his yeah. first World Cup was going to be 2026. But he came out to bat entirely on Saturday. 100%. I mean, look, that's, but you're right, that's been his stance for a while and it's all been about this old FIFA versus new FIFA, right? So this was not just um, kind of branding. It was a legal strategy. Um, they were in dire straits in 2015, 2016 when he took over. So the new FIFA idea and how they changed the bidding process and how they managed that vote in the 2018 for the 2026 uh, World Cup was absolutely fundamental to, to FIFA's survival, his survival, his ongoing success. They actually got restitution from the US process, $200 million. That was kind of very much a well done. You know, you're kind of out of the dock. And yet, the longer he's been in power, the more closely wedded he's become to the success of this World Cup. He's become personally invested in it. He's been living here um, for, for most of this year. He's, again, you know, we saw it in Russia. He gets very close to the hosts, you know, uncomfortably uh, close. And as you get to the eve of the World Cup, where, of course, the power shifts very much to the organiser. And I've never witnessed the major event where that shift has been so obvious, you know, where we've just seen plans, you know, obviously the beer and the armbands and the, even the start of the, of the tournament. That was... It was going to be, you know, the first day was going to be Monday. And then Qatar decided 100 days out, they wanted it on Sunday. And there have been lots of other little things like that. Um, I've never seen it so obvious where the hosts are in charge. And look, the issue here, of course, the complicating factor is the hosts are annoyed. They are annoyed. They're annoyed with the West. They're annoyed with the media. They, therefore, are blaming FIFA for not controlling us, not controlling the narrative, not cheerleading enough. And that's where you get this remarkable performance from Infantino, who is also a very arrogant man and uh, I think just speaks and just went off on one. He just went off on one. And I went, you know, yeah, the, you know, the room, the room gasped, you know, yeah, was sucked out of the room. I was looking around. Normally kind of quite reasonable, more neutral people were like, is he still talking? Opening remarks went on for one hour. I transcribed them. There were 5,000 words. He went through every single Qatar talking point, every example of what's about to I've heard over the last 12 years. He nailed it. And we came out of there feeling lectured. We are racists and hypocrites. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was remarkable stuff. I, I get it. I understand it. He massively overdid it. Will it, will it change anything? Yeah, maybe, maybe the, maybe, the host thought, well, okay, well done. Yeah, you did go to bat for us, but it certainly didn't, it didn't silence things. I mean, the only thing, that, in amongst there, there was some reasonable stuff. The thing that was always going to silence this, the thing that was always going to change the record is the football. Hmm. He could have just said that. He made that point quite early, but then he went off and carried on with how Westerners can't complain or criticise anyone for 3,000 years, etc., etc. Um, he made the point that once this ball starts rolling, Magic football takes over. We've seen this at other controversial major events, Olympics, previous World Cups, you name it. And what happened today? We got our first upset. We had a really good game. We've seen some good goals. 
know, tomorrow's papers will be full of Saudi Arabia and Messi, won't they? I'm, that's what, I'm, what I imagine. Yeah, no, I, I, th- I think that, and increasingly as the tournament goes on, that will become the story. I think it's interesting that Qatar maybe feel at this point, having sunk $200 billion into the hosting of this tournament, that they feel they should be getting a bit more love from it. So it's interesting that's reflected in Infantino. Also, the other image, Matt, that really struck me at the opening ceremony on Sunday was Infantino's position right beside the crown prince of Saudi Arabia at a time when Saudi Arabia are about to bid for 2030. We could have a remarkable situation where Leo Messi may well be part of the Argentina bid, but also on the payroll of the Saudi foreign ministry at the same time while they have a rival bid against each other. But Infantino has been seen in Saudi at the boxing between Usyk and Joshua recently. And then crucially, he's sitting right beside the crown prince at the opening ceremony at the weekend. Yeah, I think there was a meeting at the G20 as well, wasn't there, in Bali? Yeah, look, the um, the um, the messaging is is loud. It's not very obvious, uh, subtle, is it? Um, but the Crown Prince, um, of course, sat next to Infantino at the 2018 opener as well. He watched he watched his team lose five 0 to uh, to Russia with, with Putin there too. This this was different, as you say. Infantino was squeezed between the Emir of Qatar on one side, MBS Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia on the other. Crown Prince, of course, was again at the game today, uh, as was the Emir of Qatar. The Emir of Qatar put a Saudi scarf around his neck. Arab Brotherhood all back in place, the 2017 to 2021 blockade, all forgotten about. And, you're, you know, today was a Saudi event. Today today was real Arab football. I travelled with them, 30, 35, maybe 40,000 Saudis. It was, it, was, it, was, it was proper atmosphere. This was a, this was a big day. Saudi Arabia and MBS um, and you're right you're right they, they, they've got a real chance now a real chance in 2030 the bid's a bit complicated because it obviously involves Egypt and Greece but they, they want one they really want one yeah potentially going for a Winter Olympics as well uh, Matt thanks a million for joining us on the show yeah no worries at all Matt Sider there from the Athletic on the ground in Qatar and Manchester United confirming as well that they will consider all strategic alternatives including a new investment into the club, a sale or other transactions involving the company. You can read about that in the Athletic as well. Football on Off the Ball with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.